Welcome back to the Injury Prone Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Edwin Porras, Doctor of Physical Therapy, Medical Analyst at FantasyPoints.com. Gracias por tus oídos. You're listening to the Injury Prone Fantasy Football Podcast, the number one podcast hosted by the son of two Mexican immigrants who happens to be a physical therapist, number one on the charts, number one in your hearts. In the spirit of keeping these short and sweet, I'm not going to go through every single situation. Given the fact that it's Thursday evening, I still don't have all the information that I need to give you the best possible analysis anyway. So what I encourage you to do is go to the fantasypoints.com website. You go to the research and news tab. You scroll down to injury insights. You bookmark that page because that's where I will constantly be updating throughout the weekend injury updates and different situations that you'll need to know about. That is the best way to get the most up-to-date information for a comprehensive breakdown of everything, of every injury, of everything that we have to our knowledge through Friday evening. Make sure you go to fantasypoints.com, go to the injury tab, and you read the week three injury report. Today, what I'm going to focus on is some heavy hitters, some situations that people are going to be asking about and be curious about. So what I'm going to do is go through the San Francisco backfield, talk about Dalvin Cook and his situation, go through the Amari Cooper, Daryl Henderson situation, and then we'll get out of here by giving you some players that will be out or we think are going to be out. Let's start with the mess that is the San Francisco backfield. Now, what we know is that Jermichael Hasty is going to be out. We know that he hasn't been practicing, and we understand that that is not really a factor at this point. Hasty is going to be, re- be out, confirmed by Adam Schefter. So what that leaves us with are two running backs, primarily, Elijah Mitchell and Trey Sermon. What we know about Elijah Mitchell specifically is that he had something that was called, quote, more than a stinger, per Kyle Shanahan. What that means is that there was probably some damage to the structures around the head and neck area. It doesn't have to be too serious. It can be just inflammation, swelling, whatever the case may be. Moral of the story here is Elijah Mitchell has not practiced two days in a row. We know that based on Kyle Shanahan's comments, it sounds like it is a specific nerve injury that's a little bit more severe than what you would consider, you know, quote unquote, a grade one. This is something that was a little more serious. What you get with these specific types of injuries is probably some numbness, some burning, some weakness in the limb and the arm and the shoulder. It's probably painful. He might have some neck pain. What you're hoping to see is by Friday or Saturday that these symptoms clear up for Elijah Mitchell. As time goes on, I'm a little skeptical that he'll be active. These injuries are really nasty. And doing a little bit more digging, according to Ethan Turner, Dr. Ethan Turner, another physical therapist who does a great job with his injury scores and digs into all these uh, incoming prospects' injury histories, he found that Elijah Mitchell actually had a neck injury in 2018. That is relevant because these stinger-type injuries are related intricately to the head and the neck. This is a chronic issue for him at this point. What you need to know is that 85% of injuries, like stingers, that are mild in nature, resolve within one hour. This is obviously not the case for Elijah Mitchell. Bottom line, unless he practices in full on Friday, which I don't necessarily anticipate, I can't see him coming out on Sunday and playing, even though it's possible as long as those symptoms have resolved. But if this is a chronic situation right now, I am not necessarily anticipating him to go, which leads us to Trey Sermon. Trey Sermon, who has been progressing through the concussion protocol. What you need to know about Trey Sermon is that he is roughly in phase three of five of this concussion protocol. And what you need to know is that even though he is progressing nicely, 
He could graduate completely tomorrow or he could stay stuck in this phase for another two or three weeks. Every concussion is different. It is not linear. You don't get to make another step just because another day passes, but he will have until Sunday morning to clear that concussion protocol. Right now, it's looking good for Trey Sermon. However, 42% of athletes who are coming off their first documented concussion do miss a game, so it is not a slam dunk. Uh, another 42% don't miss any time at all. And the remainder of those percentage points, in case you're wondering, are players who missed more than one game. So, Trey Sermon has a decent chance, about a coin flip, to play on Sunday. He will be volatile if he's active on Sunday due to the recurrence risk, but he will be the one likely getting most of the touches if Elijah Mitchell can't go and if he clears concussion protocol. So to summarize this mess of a backfield, as of today, I don't necessarily anticipate Elijah Mitchell will be ready or that they'll want him to go on Sunday. Uh... Trey Sermon is on track to be cleared by Sunday morning, but that doesn't necessarily mean that he will be. And so what we anticipate here is that Trey Sermon will be taking the bulk of the carries. If Elijah Mitchell practices in full tomorrow, Friday, then you can throw all of this analysis basically out the window. However, he will be at an elevated risk for re-injury since this is a chronic thing for him at this point. The next situation we want to talk about is Dalvin Cook. So here's the moral of the story. I did tweet out that there's a 62% rate of players being out when they have two DNPs in the row. This does not necessarily apply to superstars like Dalvin Cook. Sometimes these superstars, like you've noticed with DeAndre Hopkins, cannot practice at all, and they'll still be active on Sunday. That could be what the Vikings are doing with Dalvin Cook. However, he was hobbled right after it happened. If Dalvin Cook does not practice tomorrow, meaning Friday, depending on when you're listening to this, you can fire up Alexander Madison. If Dalvin Cook practices in full, then you can probably confidently start Dalvin Cook with some elevated risk. If Dalvin Cook is limited, he is a volatile start. It's highly unlikely you have anybody else in your lineup that's going to be better than Dalvin Cook if he practices and is limited and then plays on Sunday. What I would say for DFSers, cash gamers, that is a risky play. If Dalvin Cook plays on Sunday, regardless of what is, unless his status is full on Sunday, he is going to be a volatile play for cash games. Let's talk about a couple players with ribs injuries. So first of all, Daryl Henderson hasn't practiced two days in a row now. The Rams are saying they're optimistic about his return, but if he hasn't practiced in even a limited capacity, I'm not so confident necessarily. Now, of course, this is going to be important to go to the injury tracker and bookmark it and go to my Twitter at FBInjuryDoc and follow this because all of this analysis can be thrown out the window, which is why you need to be paying attention. If Cam Akers practices in full tomorrow, Friday, then you can probably confidently start him. If he doesn't practice, it's highly unlikely he's going to play. Here's what you need to know specifically about these types of injuries. Since 2016, there have been 12 instances in which running backs had a ribs injury and were listed on the injury report. Of those 12, they were all DNP, DMP, and of those 12, only one was a full practice by Friday, and one was a limited practice on Friday. So 10 out of the 12 who were DNP, DMP, ended up being DMP again on Friday. Of those 12, only one running back actually ended up playing. So what I'm not saying is that Daryl Henderson is going to be inactive. What I am saying is the odds are stacked against him, and unless he has a full practice, it's highly unlikely he's going to play. This is probably going to be just a one or two game absence based on what we know 
Right now, the odds are stacked against him. And unless he has a full practice, you can't confidently trot him out there. Which leads us to Amari Cooper. The great news about Amari Cooper is that he's been practicing. He's been limited, but he's been practicing. And what we know based on that same data that I just discussed, if a player is limited, it at least gives them a little bit more leeway to be active on Sunday. And in this case, for Amari, will really help him. I expect him to be out there as of now, unless he has a setback. He will be playing with more volatility than normal. Mari Cooper already typically carries volatility, but because these ribs injuries are so painful, they're really difficult to just completely ignore. It's a little easier for a wide receiver unless they're going over the middle, which is why I'm more worried about Daryl Henderson than I am Amari Cooper. So as of now, expect Amari Cooper to be out there. He's just going to be minimally to moderately volatile. And lastly, that leads us to OBJ. We know there have been reports out there saying that Oda Buckham Jr. will be active unless he has a setback. I believe that simply because at this point, he's about 10 and a half months removed from the surgery. He's full capacity and practice. He's taken contact, which was not the case in week one and two. He is ready to go. And I do think that he'll be ready to go with at least half the amount of snaps that you would you would see him, if not more, simply because Jarvis Landry is out. I do think that this is a get right game in terms of let's get the body right. So I don't necessarily expect him to convert a lot of that volume if he does see it, but it's going to be a test for that knee to see exactly how it's going to feel. We know wide receivers have a little bit of an easier time than running backs coming back from this injury. So if you want a dart this week, a guy that might be low rostered in DFS, definitely go for Odell Beckham Jr. Now, finally for the mailbag, because I did say I would start doing mailbags, although I didn't anticipate this many injuries needing to be discussed. So I'll answer a pretty broad question I've been getting a lot. People have been asking me, do I drop Jerry Judy for Michael Gallup? People have been asking me, do I drop Jerry Judy for Rashad Bateman? People have been asking me, do I drop Jerry Judy for X player? What I would say is that usually the answer to that question is, Depends on your league settings, your team needs, your roster construction, your bench, your IR slots. So I cannot tell you exactly whether you should drop Jerry Judy or not. If you're in a shallow league, eight team, maybe 10 team, single flex, that might be something that you consider. The flip side is if you're in a regular 12 person league and you don't have a ton of depth and you do have an IR slot, it's highly unlikely that you should drop Jerry Judy. Jerry Judy should be back by week five, week six at the latest, based on what we know. And he has the highest upside compared to most players. So I would not be dropping Jerry Judy for most people. You might get a reduced volume and production stat line from Jerry Judy the first week or two that he's back. But he should be able to bounce back from this as long as it's not worst case scenario, which we know is not common. That's really the primary question I got in the mailbag. So that's what I'm going to focus on. The other people that I needed to touch on in terms of tentative projected return dates are as follows. Rashad Bateman, week five. Michael Gallup, week five. Michael Thomas, week seven. Curtis Samuel, still not known. Jerry Judy, week five. Jarvis Landry, week six. T. Higgins, hopefully week four, more than likely week five. Antonio Brown, hopefully week four. That's going to really depend on his symptoms. Tyrell Williams, week six. Russell Gage, week five. Jeff Wilson, week 12. Jamichael Hasty, week five. Tyrod Taylor, week six. Tua Tonga-Vailoa, week four. Carson Wentz hasn't been ruled out yet. I'm not necessarily confident he will play week four. Ryan Fitzpatrick, week 10. Andy Dalton, week five. 
Zach Ertz also depends on his symptoms and severity. Ladies and gentlemen, that is all for today. I want to keep it as short as possible. This is not going to be the final verdict on a lot of these guys. There's still a lot of moving pieces, a lot of things up in the air. Make sure you check the injury tracker at fantasypoints.com. It's free. Go to the research and news tab. Go down to injury insights. That's where you'll find the most up-to-date information. And keep an eye out on the week three injury report that I'll be publishing tomorrow evening for fantasypoints.com. Make sure you subscribe. Tell all your friends about the podcast. Let me know if you have any questions at fbinjury.com on Twitter. Thanks again.